Hey guys, welcome to today's show. It's been quite a while. I've been uh, busting my ass for your buzz, as some of you who might follow me on Instagram or might listen to this podcast might know. Started working for them late November, and it's been such a rewarding experience working for a startup, really wearing many different hats, doing so many different things. And it's been awesome to see how much we've grown in such a short period of time with not only with the pandemic going on, but with us being in the January, February months for an alcohol brand, it's not really the best time to start growing, but we just hit a hundred plus locations last week and we're continuing to grow exponentially. So unfortunately I haven't been able to come on the podcast and do what I love doing because at the end of the day, this is just a hobby for me. I love talking sports. I love bringing on guests. And today I have an amazing guest in Ryan Staten, one of the best guys I knew on the basketball team at San Diego State, not only as a player, but as just a human being. And he always welcomed me with open arms when I became a manager in 2012. And today I have the pleasure of bringing him on to talk about his journey at San Diego State, his four years as a walk-on, playing for a top 25 team, the lessons he learned from Coach Fisher and Coach Dutcher, what his best memories were. And to end it, like we do on this show, it's called Nick's Picks for a reason. He did a top five list. I did a top five list of the top players that need to topple King James this season. So without further ado, let us begin as always. And now cut to the music. just uh just grinding dude working you look good by the way you've been working out yeah yeah dude i uh i try and stay in shape you know i've been hitting the peloton lately i don't have one but i use one of my friends are you in the office i haven't i haven't relocated i'm still i'm still in sf still in still in san francisco but uh i thought about it bro i i honestly thought about moving down to socal my job, like, I, I don't I don't think I'm going to go, like, we're going to go back in office anytime soon. Mm. So I'm like, why not take advantage and live somewhere else? But yeah, I've, I've stayed put. I probably, I don't, I don't see myself probably moving, at least not in 2021. I think I'll probably be in the Bay Area for sure. And you're from San Gabriel, right? No, nah, nah, nah. I'm from like San Pablo, originally, like East Bay. So not far from... Uh, from but the city from but you're such a socal guy so i feel like you should be back here. i love socal i love socal bro <laughs> i love socal i want to i want to move back i want to move back like i've been wanting to move back for a while but i feel like work has just kept me here i mean yeah i got laid off so i had the option to kind of come home and, and i love san francisco and to be honest on a sunny day i don't think there's any better place to be than san francisco over la over san diego just something a about i kind of like the cool chris weather when it's like a 60, yeah a 68 70 and then when you're at fort mason or one of the parks it's just like you can't beat that but san diego is just incredible the air here is just Bro, it's san a diego quality. is undefeated it's undefeated <laughs> like I, I i miss that place all the time whenever i'm like damn i don't know why i moved away i mean i know why but i wish i didn't <laughs> and let's yeah. get into that how did you come down to san diego state you were on the men's team for four years. How did that come to be? And 
I mean, tell us your story. Yeah, I mean, coming out of coming out of high school, I was trying to play basketball somewhere. I didn't have much attention at the D1 level at all, mainly D2, JUCO. was thinking about going that route. But I don't know, after thinking long and hard about it, just talking to some people, I decided I wanted to go. I, I, I always loved San Diego State as a school. That was honestly, I, I was like academically, like I was like, okay, that's where I want to go. I got in. I thought about it for a while. I made the I made the move. I said, you know what? I'm going here regardless if I play basketball or not. So that's how I got down to San Diego. So my AAU coach had a relationship with Tony Bland, who was one of our assist, like one of, an assistant coach at SDSU at the time, and probably one of the coolest coaches for those out there. Yes. One of the coolest coaches on the staff because he's what you would call he is a player's coach, correct? Oh, definitely. He was like one of us, dude. He was. Yeah. He was great. He was like, yeah, it was like having he was yeah, players coach, de- true definition of a players coach. He was great ever since the first first day I met him. Great dude, nothing but positive things to say about him. Um, but he's kind of the reason how I got involved with with SDSU basketball. So uh, my coach knew him. You know, was talking to him, kind of trying to give me you know a recommendation to to get on the team. So school's getting ready to start. I go, I actually don't, I didn't meet any of the coaching staff until like I'm coming in to school, getting ready to like start school. So I go meet all the coaches, Coach Fish, Coach Dutch, Dave, everybody. And then they're like, yeah, we want you to come to some open gyms, see what you can do. So I end up going to some open gyms. Long story short, end up getting up, getting the roster spot. I want to hear about those open gyms. And so, you come in and the, they had just come, let's see, 20. This is after the Kawhi year, bro. Oh, this, this is, is like, <laughs> like, SGSU was like on the mat. Like, we, like, they were a top five team. The yeah. Before. Like, so. Were you like, there's no way in hell I'm making the team? Or you knew, like, you had some confidence in yourself that. No, I didn't think about it like that. Cause I, I mean, they obviously lost a lot of guys from that team, but they were mm-hmm. obviously still had a lot of good players on the team. So I didn't think of it like that. I had confidence in myself. Like I, I mean, I played against D1 players before. Like I, yeah. in high school, I played against Kyrie Irving. Like yeah. he destroyed us, but you know what I mean? Like I've been on the court with good players. It's not like, you know, that was, it was a shock, but mm. yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, who really stood out to me was Jamal. I didn't really know much about Jamal because mm. um, he didn't really play yeah. that much that like when Kawhi was there. And I remember seeing him at open jaw. I was like, man, who is this dude? I didn't even <laughs> like, know who he was. It was crazy. Like he was, I he was freak athlete, obviously had a crazy offensive game. Like, yeah. So I, I he was the first one that really caught my eye. I was like, hey, okay, this dude could play. I had heard, I X was from Sacramento. So I had, I had heard of him. Uh, I didn't really know much about, I, I hadn't seen him play that much, but I, I knew who he was. Uh, same with Chase Tapley. So I knew I had like known who some of the guys on the team were. So I, I kind of knew what to expect. But yeah, those open gyms. I mean, I and, and honestly, I didn't get much of like a much of a run. I mean, because they're they're obviously gonna play the majority of the time. And then me and Aaron Douglas, who was actually another walk on at the time, we got our kind of run in at the at the end, basically. But long story short, yeah, I, I do that, get a spot on the team. Uh, so that was crazy, super exciting. I was like, this is wild. I'm playing on a, on a D one team and not just any D one team, like 
the Mountain West favorite. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, it's not like I'm at some D1 you never heard of before. Yeah. So, not just a D1 school, but San Diego State, where to the community, they are a professional basketball team. To the San yeah. Diego community, they have, I mean, they have a 12,000 person stadium, not anything ginormous, but pretty almost a little more than half the size of an NBA arena. And yeah, I mean, it's nationally recognized across not just San Diego, but the entire country. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't I didn't realize how big SDSU basketball was in, in San Diego. Like once obviously the game started, I saw how crowded it was, how much the city was into the team, especially coming off the year before. And honestly, we didn't have like super high expectations going into that season. Like we weren't ranked or anything, um, kind of had to like build it up. But I remember the the USC game. That was the when X made that game winning layup. <laughs> Didn't you guys win like four or five games in the last like minute that year? Because I remember hearing about that in practice the year prior. Because again, you guys weren't expected to be ranked, and I don't think we, you became ranked, but you did a lot better than everyone expected. And Jamal Franklin came out on first onto the scene. Yeah, we so we, we we were definitely ranked for part of the season, um, but we had a lot of close games. I mean, we played – I think we, we definitely played Creighton that year. We actually lost to them at home, I think, by like one or two points. This is when they had Doug McDermott. We had a bunch of close conference games too because like Mountain West was was good at this. Yeah. I mean, they're not saying it's not good now, but it was – I think it was at its prime like during this time. I mean, you had UNLV. Uh, you had Colorado State who was real good. Boise State was good. It was it was a lot. Of, it was a tough league for sure. Obviously, a hell of an experience that first year. I remember getting getting like just getting on the court for the first time was like nerve wracking, like low key nerve wracking. I've never been nervous to play basketball in my life, but like I, I, it was it was it was wild. Um, I like first get on the court, I'm like thrust into the action. Like I come in, team we're playing, they shoot a shot. Chase gets the rebound. I'm running on the break. He throws it up to me. I like drive the lane, shoot a floater. It goes in. I'm like, I, I can't even like remember, <laughs> remember the play. It happened so fast. And I was just like, oh, all right. Got my first college points. Like, cool. <laughs> You're, you've arrived. What uh, was your favorite team or favorite year you'd say? I mean, I know they all hold a special place probably in your heart, but anything stick out to you? And I think I know what you're going to say, but go. Favorite team, honestly, I probably have to say my junior year, the the year yeah. <laughs> you knew that was coming. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, I loved it every year, but I would say that was the craziest year. That was the best year, one because we didn't. It was one of those. I mean, we didn't come into the season ranked. We not saying people didn't think we were going to be good, but we had lost Jamal, we had lost Rayhan, we had lost Chase. Like we had lost a lot of Deshaun Stevens. Like we lost a yeah. lot of people, a lot of a lot of players from the last year's team. So really coming back, I feel like the only players who were on people's radars was like X and probably Winston. Mm -hmm. People wasn't really looking much at DP. People wasn't looking much at AQ. Like they kind of came into the season as like unknowns. So uh, JJ too. I feel like JJ was kind of slept on a little bit by people. So I feel like that next season, like we just, I mean, we lost to Arizona at home, which was still like a, Close game. We yeah. played them real tough. They ended up going to the Elite Eight that year, getting the number one seed in the tournament. They had Aaron Gordon that year. Yeah. Like they were, they were nice. <laughs> so, and after that, we went on like a, I think, 20, 21 game winning streak, which yeah. was 
insane. So, yeah, that was crazy. Um, and just that whole year as well, I feel like our team just had – I mean, and I think we had good chemistry every year, but I feel like this year – I feel like we had the best chemistry we ever had as a team. I feel like just like on the court, off the court, like everybody was just like in sync in rhythm with each other from the first guy to the last guy on the bench. Like that's just how it, how it was. I feel like um, I would say that was the best year I had on the team for sure. It was, was my junior year, the year we got up to like, I think we got up to rank like number Five, I want to say, uh, maybe think, even number four. I think it, honestly, it might have been number four at one point. And yeah. I think God, there's been so many times in the history of state recently where we've where they have had we have had the opportunity to be number one in the country, which is just crazy. Nothing can beat that. Like to be yep. number one, even if it's for a day, like you're number one in the entire country in college basketball, a very competitive sport. It ain't baseball. It, I mean, football, that's tough as well, but number one in the country, that's a big statement to have. And you spoke a lot about, or a little bit about AQ and JJ and Dwayne Pulley. And that kind of shows. And I think I've noticed that SDCU is one of the best coaching staffs when it comes to developing talent. Cause SDCU over the years, they've gotten two star recruits. They get three star recruits. They're not getting the four or five stars. Like every now and then they do. I think they've had a five-star once or twice, but it speaks mm -hmm. to the coaching staff. Can you kind of go into that a little bit? Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think, yeah, one, developing players, they're, they're, it's something they're really good at. I think, two, another thing they're really good at is hitting the transfer market. I mean, I feel like we have been able to bring in a lot of transfers who have been able to fit SDSU style of play and excel in that way. But as far as development, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, before practice, before games, guys who are redshirting, guys who aren't getting a lot of minutes are out there getting work in on the court. And over the summer, too, I think is huge. Like I, I noticed this with AQ. I feel like the summer going into, like, he came in as a redshirt, and then I feel like that summer coming into his junior year when he was going to be playing, I felt like I saw a huge difference in him jump shot, everything. I feel like he was a different player. And I feel like it was because of the work that not, I mean, obviously he, he put in some of it on his own too, definitely. But I think the the coaches working with him, I just see, I feel like you saw players just like kind of develop and, and shine over time. I think DP was another one like that. Like his first year, I think he was a redshirt sophomore. He didn't play a ton, partly due to guys in front of him, like Jamal Rahan, but um, I think junior senior year, you saw kind of a big jump from him, especially towards the kind of the end of conference junior year. I mean, I would say at times he was obviously X was the guy, but I would say at times he was right there in terms of being our most important player. Like he was a six man on that team, like coming off the bench, instant offense, like without DP, we, we definitely don't have that season that we have. So and then JJ too. I mean, JJ's always been super smart player, but I feel like throughout his time at STSU, he he definitely got better um, in terms of like being an all of. I mean, he being an all around player. He was a good defender. Um, he's going to get you 10, 12 points a game. He's going to do some dirty work. He's going to you know guard the other best the other teams you know best uh, three or four. So I think just kind of having guys like that develop over the years is something yeah SDSU is known for and it's I mean it's continued you know after that as well I think even though he ended up transferring I think Zylan Cheatham is 
perfect example of that as well. I think he always had the NBA athleticism, always was an NBA athlete, but I feel like he really learned how to play, um, you know, through his red shirt year and, and on even after, even after I left. Yeah, I think that kind of just speaks to the coaching staff we had. Specifically, yeah, Coach Fish, Coach Dutch, Coach Hutt when he was there, when I was there. I was going to touch on that. That is probably one of the most underappreciated parts of that 2013-14 team is Coach Hutt came in, Mm -hmm. completely changed the entire defense. And, I mean, that team that year was one of the best defensive teams in the entire country, and I think it was because of Coach Hutt. And, yes, he can be a hard-o at times, and that's his style. He's not what I would call a player's coach, but (laughs) he really transformed you guys to just a better defensive team. Yeah, no, Coach, uh, yeah, he, he he definitely came in and made an impact for sure. Um, I feel like, yeah, like you said, he definitely was was opposite of of, <laughs> of kind of like a player's coach, like, like Coach Plan. But I mean, you you need that. He, he if if you wasn't doing your job, he was going <laughs> he was going to let you know about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, he didn't care what you thought about him, what you was going to say back. Like you know, that's just the, the kind of coaching and guy he was. But I feel like every team needs a coach like that, and that was just. That was kind of his style, and I think it was kind of the perfect mesh with, you know, someone like Coach Fish or Coach Coach Dutch, who is a little bit more, you know, laid back. Still going to get on you if you, you know, you screw up. But um, I think it was kind of the perfect mix, honestly, in terms of having his style with what we already had with the coaching staff. Yeah, that team was just, I mean, from top to bottom, it was just everyone knew their role. And did it to perfection. Yep. And that's why you guys got to four or five in the country because of that. So we went into what your favorite season was, but is there a game or two that stick out in your mind from your time at SDSU? There's one personally for me, it was that New Mexico game. I think it was that season. It was that season. Yep. It was that season. I was, I, I, I was going to mention a different moment probably. Um, but yeah, that, that's definitely up there for sure. Crazy game. We're, that was probably the worst game we played all season and through the first half, through the first probably 30 minutes. Yeah, because I think um, you're, you're down 51 to like 37 or 36. There's eight minutes left in the game. Yep. And then they just went on a run. And being able to celebrate on your home court that you won conference, because that was the clincher for conference, that was probably one of the best moments that I had being a part of the team. But you go into the game that, that comes to mind for you. Uh, I would probably say it was the next year just because it was my senior night. <laughs> just being a little selfish here. But, yeah, I mean, I was great just getting an opportunity to walk out there with, with my parents, my brother, um, you know, get my jersey, fan show love. That was crazy to me. Um, I think that was, like, my most memorable moments I'm not going to look back on, tell my kids about. And then after the game as well, obviously we won that game, won league again. You know, got to celebrate with the fans on the court. We're taking pictures. We're cutting down nets. So I would say that was probably my favorite game or or moment for sure. It was just it being my senior night, known as my last game in Viejas, and it was went as exactly as planned. We played great, got the win, one league, got to celebrate after. And now a quick break and word from today's sponsors. Today's episode of Nick's Picks is brought to you by Yerba's, the world's first hard Yerba Mate. And it's got everything you want, I guess you could say don't want, in an alcoholic beverage. No sugar, 
no added sweeteners, and it's got the buzzwords to match, gluten-free and vegan-friendly. Your Buzz is now available in over 100 locations across San Diego County. Your Buzz, you won't know you're drinking alcohol till your buzz. And now, back to Ryan Staten and his career at San Diego State. I guess for me, I, I always knew, you know, basketball, it, it probably won't be a long-term thing for me. I, I think eventually, obviously, you start to realize that. I would say growing up, I had dreams of playing in the NBA, like what, what kid doesn't who's playing basketball. But I think you get to a point in time where you realize, okay, I, I probably say high school, I was like, okay, I'm, 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 I'm probably not going to go to the NBA. Like, And I, I don't know, my parents always kind of instilled in me to focus on your schoolwork, make sure that you can do – multiple things don't put all your eggs in one basket so I always knew that if basketball didn't work out I would be able to do something else and and, and be fine so I kind of looked at it like that and as time went on yeah I realized playing basketball was probably going to end once college was over so I just took it all in I enjoyed it I had a great time on the court great time off the court like I said, I, I, if I could do it all over again, I definitely wouldn't have went anywhere else. What kept you going? Like you said, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from you. You fucking played Division One basketball for four years, but you weren't being compensated from the school in terms of a scholarship. Mm-hmm. What kept you going year after year after year, would you say? Or like there are a lot of great perks that do come with the territory, but you are putting yeah. hard work <laughs> after hard work when, yeah, you're only going to come in when we're up. 15 to 20 in the last minute or two of a game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough, I mean, it was, it was tough at first. I think it was something that I had a, a little trouble accepting at first, just because I had never been in that position before. I mean, every team that I had been on in my life, I, I never sat on the bench. I mm. was starting. If, if not starting, I was playing a lot. Yeah. Every, every player is naturally competitive. No one wants to sit on the bench. Everyone wants to play. And that's part of what made you great and got you to where you are because of that natural competitiveness inside you. But can definitely start to catch cut, cut you off again. Yeah, no, you're good. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've, I've always labeled myself as a hard worker, definitely. So that was definitely something I was going to do regardless of what my minutes were, what my role was. Um, so I, I would say, yeah, just, Hard work, wanting to, like I said, being proud to be a part of something like that and not wanting it to end. You know, I, for me, I guess I never, I looked at it as a year to year thing. I said, look, like next year could come and I, I might not have a spot. <laughs> like, I, it, nothing's guaranteed. So I guess that was kind of motivation itself for keeping me going. Um, and I think, yeah, just being a part of something like that was, was big to me. Um, and I guess, also just saying, you know what, this is something I can look back on and, and cherish forever and know that I was that I was able to accomplish playing four years of Division One basketball, uh, being a part of a top 25, top 10, top five team um, year after year, which was enough. I guess that was enough motivation for mm. to keep me going. You had Coach Fish, Coach Dutcher. These guys have molded hundreds of young men over the years. Guys, I mean, if we look back at the big names, Chris Weber, Jalen Rose, Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Franklin, what lessons did you learn from these guys or from the entire coaching staff from your time playing 
for SDSU that you've incorporated in your day-to-day life? Yeah, I think, uh, I think I started looking at things from more of like a business aspect, honestly. I mean, even in college, I mean, obviously when you get to the pros, it is, but college is in a way too. I think, uh, everyone who's there is, is there for a reason. Everyone's trying to get to that next level. Everyone's trying to advance their career. And I feel like I didn't always look at basketball like that. I always kind of looked at it as like, just having fun, just like, and not saying it wasn't fun, obviously, but I didn't really look at it from a business perspective until I got to college. And I think that kind of changed my mindset in other areas as well. I started looking at school different. I started looking at like what I wanted to do after college differently, like what was going to be, you know, my best opportunity. And I feel like that I kind of took that from players. I kind of took that from coaches, obviously coach fish, obviously he, he had his position. He was, I mean, he still did all, you know, was a great coach and everything, but I I think I really looked up to people to, to coaches like Dave, Coaches like uh, Tim, when he Tim Shelton, who was there, they're trying to make their name. They're, you know, they're Dave was a, a manager just like you were, and, and look where he's at now. He's an assistant coach at SDSU. Matt Soria, guys. Like yep, Soria, Matt Soria, same and thing. Dave both started as managers, and look at where they are today, and that's from the hard work they put in. I mean, think about it. they've been with these program for twenty plus yep. years, both of them. It's impressive. Yep. And then I saw, yeah, saw Tim go from you know former player actually play with him my freshman year and then he ended up you know he ends up getting on the coaching staff and you're seeing him you know build his career build his brand so I think I started to kind of just look at it like look look at that from them and then I guess from the player's perspective looking at guys like Jamal looking at guys like X looking at how serious they're taking their craft I mean Jamal was a straight gym rat like this dude was in the gym all the time like he was the first player there last player to leave like he's the best player on the team doing this. Like, so that kind of was like eye opening to me. I had never really seen much like that. I guess like, I don't know when you're younger, the best guys are usually just the most talented and they don't mm. necessarily have to work the hardest, but when you get to the college level, everybody's good. Everybody's yeah. talented. Everybody's athletic. So you gotta, if, if you're, if you get out of work, it's going to show. And so I kind of took that from, from guys like them. And just, like I said, tried to, incorporate that not only in the basketball but just into everything and just really started to I guess figure out what I wanted to do for the future because I would say freshman sophomore year I had no idea what I wanted to do after college like and you never thought basketball anything to do with basketball right or like was that ever in your mind because you have no it was it was definitely in my mind but I think just as the years went on, it started to fade, I guess, just because reality right. starts to set in. You know, I'm, I'm a realistic person. I and guess. you know how much fucking hard work you had to put in to get to where Coach Dave and Matt Soria are. Like, it's not easy. You're working for yeah. a couple of years for free. You're not making yeah. great money at first. Like, you really got to love it. You maybe, if you're with San Diego State, you're in a great, you're living in San Diego. You're in paradise, but yeah. <laughs> for some people, for some people, you got to go to the middle of nowhere in Montana, the middle yep. of nowhere in South Dakota or North Dakota, just the most obscure, maybe division three D two schools, places you've never even heard about. If you want to make it in this business, that's how much you got to love it. Yeah. I mean, and for it's- me, honestly, I was always, I always viewed myself as a player. I never really, I, 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 I don't, I never really had an interest in coaching, honestly. So that's why I say, like, if I 
would if I wouldn't have played at SDSU, I, I wouldn't have been a part of the program. It just wasn't really a desire of mine. Like I always still to this day, like if I'm, I don't have a desire to coach. I don't have a desire to really be involved in basketball in any other way, but playing. So I always looked at it from a player's perspective. And that's why I say, I guess, as time went on, reality kind of set in that it was going to be tough to play basketball after college. If I was, it was going to be probably in some random country I've never heard of. I'm not going to be making a ton of money. I'm going to be probably the only American on the team. Like, mm. I didn't see that. I didn't, I, I just, it, it just wasn't appealing to me. So, yeah, I guess as time went on, I started to realize, okay, after SDSU, this is going to be it for basketball for me. So I got to figure out, you know, what my next path is going to be. Um, so that was kind of always, that was kind of my outlook on it. Definitely my last year or two, for sure. I kind of didn't really think about playing basketball much after college. It was more so like, okay, how can I make an impact like off the court? And don't worry. You did pretty damn well. Your team league was one of the biggest tech companies in San Francisco. So too shabby. <laughs> Let's move on, though, to something I've been doing on this podcast, and I let you know beforehand, top five players that most need to topple LeBron and the Lakers this season. And do you want to start? You want me to start? I I want to start at five, go down to one, and I'm going to post this on Instagram. We're going to see what my small audience, who votes. Okay. Ryan All right. You, let, you, you go first. I'll go five to one. You go five to one first, and then I'll okay. go five to one second. So I got number five. Chris Paul. He's in his like 16th season now, 15th season. He's never made an NBA finals and he actually has a pretty <coughs> solid team around him. Devin Booker, DeAndre Aiden. They have guys like Jay Crowder who made it to the finals last year. Uh, young guys like Cameron Johnson, Sarge. So they have players around them that could make a run at the Western Conference finals. That's the issue though, is before they even get to the finals, they do have to go through LeBron. And then number four, Giannis, back-to-back MVPs. He's still very young. That's why I put him fourth. But the guy can't even get out of the East. And everyone's saying how easy the East is. LeBron got out every year. Giannis, (laughs) he's back-to-back MVPs, has no finals appearances to show for it. And then number three, someone who forced him his way off his team, it's James Harden. Like, you force your way to play with KD and Kyrie Irving, I want your opinion. This is the best big three we've ever seen from a talent standpoint. Maybe not the most talent. Yeah. I mean, pure talent. Yeah. You definitely without, I think without question, they're the, they're the best. They're three as far super, as how it all fits. We'll players. See. Yeah. I, yeah. If I had to take a big three, I'm taking Clay Thompson, Curry and Durant. The way they can play together. Yeah. Yes. But if I'm going off pure talent, mm-hmm. I would take Katie Harden and, and Kyrie. And then number two, speaking of him, it's Kevin Durant. He won the two championships with the Warriors. Kind of needed a 73-9 and team to do it. I know you're a Warriors fan, so this irks you sometimes to hear. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) But then he leaves. He leaves. He goes to the Nets. He's got Kyrie, so he's got only one other superstar guy, teammate, considered on his team. But now he brings in James Harden. The pressure's really on now. Like you wanted to win a championship outside of Golden State, but now you got two other superstars on your team. You just added pressure to yourself when I think you could have already won it without James Harden. Like you got rid of your best defensive player, Jared Allen, and your team is mediocre at best defensively. And then number one, 
San Diego State alum, Kawhi Leonard. Uh, he, LeBron asked him to come to LA to play with the Lakers. He's like, nah, fuck you, man. I'm going to the Clippers. I'm teaming up with Paul George. I'm coming after you. And he, he made it somewhat public that he wanted to go after, that he's after LeBron's crown, kind of. He probably would never say that, but the stories that have come out over the years, he doesn't want to team up with LeBron. He made it very public by going with the Clippers. He by far has the most pressure, especially after how they exited the playoffs last year. They didn't even make it out of the second round, which it was a failed season. I don't care that it was their first year, but everyone wants to trash LeBron. LeBron makes it to the finals every year. His first year at the Miami Heat, his first year in Cleveland. So, hey, you're up. Okay. All right. I, so for my, my fifth spot, it was, it was pretty, it was a tough decision for me. I decided between two guys to who was going to make that final cut. I had to, I had to go with Steph. I had to go with Steph Mm. over, over James Harden. Those were two of the ones I was thinking about. The reason why I picked Steph is because yeah, he's obviously beat LeBron three times in the finals, but two of those, yeah, was with Katie clay, a stacked team, arguably one of the greatest teams ever. And then the the other year he won, you know, LeBron was pretty much by himself. No K-Love, no Kyrie. And then obviously when those guys were healthy, he took an L. So I think this is I think this is a year for Steph to prove that he can make a deep run in the playoffs by himself. I think if the Warriors, I mean, obviously Ubre's got to play better. They need Draymond to step up, but I'm a, I, I put Steph at number five. I think Steph has a lot to prove this year. Like, if you can't Steph, just – If Steph ahead. can win the title with – like, if he can get through the Lakers without Clay Thompson, without Kevin Durant, that would be one of the most amazing things in basketball. I mean, that would be – Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but if he could do that – I don't either, but <laughs> it, I put him at number five just because um, I feel like he, he's got to make some – even if it's not winning a finals, he's, he's got to make a deep playoff mm, run to yeah. really get that respect back as being a top top in that elite player uh status because i feel like people kind of people kind of are writing him off a little bit and that's the thing Um, people he might be the most disrespected superstar that the league has ever seen because this guy is he's amazing and i think it's just because of his small stature i don't know and maybe shooting threes is more like not as i wouldn't say manly as like getting to the rim like you're yeah you're not like going through guys trying to get to the rim and getting hit and stuff. So I, maybe that's why I don't know, but like, dude, the guy's, he's a two-time MVP. He's a three-time NBA champion. People are already calling him maybe the number two or three point guard of all time. Oh yeah. I I mean, yeah, definitely. I think, I think, yeah, I I would put him there. Mm -hmm. So I'll put him five. I put uh, a former teammate of LeBron's fourth Kyrie, Kyrie Irving. I, I got him on my list because one, obviously, won a ring with Braun, but then kind of forced his way out of Cleveland. Said he didn't want to play there anymore. He wanted to be the guy or the man, whatever you want to call it. Went to Boston. That was a kind of a, a disaster. Didn't work out. He gets his way out of there. Teams up with KD. <clears throat> excuse me. Teams up with KD, and then this summer he has those comments about, oh, like. I never trusted anybody to take the last shot besides myself until now. <laughs> so I think I, I think him and Braun were cool until then, but now I think I don't think Braun really really likes Kyrie. So I I think he's got to prove I think he's got to prove himself. So I'm a, I'm gonna put him fourth. 
I don't get where this whole, like, why did this happen? He wanted his own team. He got his own team in Boston. It really did not work out well. Nope. Like, they, they did better without him that one year they made the yeah. Eastern Conference Finals. Like, why why do you leave this situation? Like, they had just won a championship in 16. Like, you have, you're playing with the best player in the world, but these guys, I mean, they all do kind of have – they have big egos, and he just, I guess, wanted to be the number one option, the number yeah. one guy on his team, and he's not even the number one option. He's the third exactly. option now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm putting him four uh three i'm going with katie i'm going with katie at three yeah he's beaten brown before but obviously it was with the warriors i mean he's got a similar type of team now but i think they're they're different obviously i think they're a little bit more potent offensively but defensively they're a lot worse i don't think they have the role pl- players that the warriors had i don't think they don't have an Iguodala with finals experience they don't have a Sean Livingston I mean they got solid role players and I mean Joe Harris is he's, he's having a nice season DeAndre Jordan's a good good player but they don't have that depth off the bench that the Warriors had so I think I, I think it's gonna be tough for them to get out the east honestly they um, did have they did have the depth though they had the depth yeah, the for Car- the trade they had yeah. Chris LeVert they had Jared Allen um Teron Prince like they had yeah. good players that could have came off the bench given them good minutes when they needed it and now yeah this trade kind of flipped everything around so I'm putting KD two or three sorry two I'm going with uh, the SDSU legend Kawhi I'm going with Kawhi kind of for some of the same reasons you said could have joined the Lakers didn't went to LA kind of wanted to bring the Clippers from being I mean they had I don't want the doormats of the league anymore, but they obviously haven't had any championship success. I know they, you're. They still haven't. <laughs> they still haven't. I mean, I like the Clippers. I'm a Clippers fan. They're originally yeah. from San Diego, but they haven't made a Western Conference Finals. Exactly. That's insane. Ever. It's, it's been 50 years. Were you about to say that I am a fan or? No, no I, I knew. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were from San Diego. I know. I <laughs> just from living in San Diego. I know a lot of San Diego people are, are Clippers. Yeah. Clippers fans. So. But yeah, I'm putting I'm putting Kawhi too. I think I almost want to put PG on here too because the way he played in the playoffs last year. But uh, yeah, I think I think Clippers got something to prove. I honestly think if I think if they flop again in the playoffs, I think you're going to see that team break up. And wow, I would be just shocked. I think you're going to see that team break up. I'm not shocked that that would happen after two failed seasons, but just like. Dude, these teams these days, they just like give up so easily. Like, or yeah. the, not even the teams, the players, they just like bounce around. It's like go through some adversity. Like, you're still what, 30? He's 30, 31 years old. Like, he still has time yeah. to like look at Dirk Nowinski, a guy who stayed with the Mavericks. And dude, after the 06 finals, I don't think anyone thought he was going to win a championship. That was his mm-hmm. window. It had closed 2011, five years later, has one of the most miraculous runs we'll ever see. Cause that's the last time I think a single player besides actually Kawhi Leonard in 2019 with the Raptors was where they had one superstar and they won the championship. Yeah. Against like another big three all mm-hmm. in their primes pretty much like, so yeah. So I'm putting, I'm putting Kawhi mm-hmm. two, one, I got to put Giannis one. The reason why I'm putting Giannis one, you got back to back MVPs. You've never been into the finals. You sign long-term with Milwaukee. So, I mean, you obviously trust what they got going on, what they're doing. You bring in Drew Holiday. I thought that was an upgrade over, over what they had. Mm. Still got Middleton. 
Um, they still got some good role players on the team. I think, I think, I, I think he's, I think he's public enemy number one. I think he's, he's the guy he's looked at as kind of being kind of that new face of the league. I mean, arguably Luke is there. I don't think his team is there yet though. So that's why I would, I would say Giannis. Um, and he's, he's done it for longer and he's got MVPs to his name. So you want to be the face of the league. You gotta, you gotta beat the best. <laughs> You gotta beat the best. But first, you need to get out of the East. True, true. But I'm saying, I think, yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's number one for me. I, I went back and forth with him and Kawhi, but I think just since he's younger, I think Kawhi is getting up there where it's going to be tough for him to kind of ever be the face. Because I think by the time LeBron goes, I think Kawhi's, I, I, I think it's going to be Luka and Giannis's league. So. That's why that's why I put Giannis number one. Two thoughts before we go. Number one, that big three in Milwaukee, that's a damn good beat, big three. Yeah. All those three guys play defense. They Drew play Holiday. Defense. Drew Holiday. I Drew mean, Holiday is the best defensive guard in the league. Exactly. And players will say it, even though you got yeah. snubbed last year, didn't even make yeah. an all-defensive team. And then Giannis, he won defensive player of the year. And then Chris Middleton's no Middleton slouchy. doesn't get yeah, he doesn't get credit for it, but he's a good perimeter defender. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all Middleton is a 50, 40, 90 guy shooting, uh, shooting line guy. And again, Giannis is the back-to-back MVP. That's a solid big three. They should be, they should be. I just the think favorites. there's no, there's no excuses. There's no excuses. I think, I mean, with the, I mean, maybe with the exception of Brooklyn, if they just get on a tear offensively, I mean, I don't really see anyone who they could give me an excuse as to like why they lost. Assuming no injuries happen, obviously, but I think they should be able to beat Philly. I think they should be able to beat Boston. Like, I think they they're the better team. But it's, are they going to play that way? We'll see. Yeah, so I mean, that's well, that's my top five. Well, hey Ryan, I would love to talk more, and I've enjoyed the conversation. So I hope you'll come back. We can talk some March Madness. It's only oh, for sure six weeks away. Yeah, now I'll definitely be back. This was. Super fun, a joy. I, I loved it. So yeah, I, I definitely, definitely will be back. Hey, Guaranteed sounds good. That. Appreciate you coming on again. Yep, no problem. Take care, my guy. You too.